Österreich 1. Since yesterday evening, a 10-year-old girl has been missing in Vienna's Donaustadt district. Natasha wears glasses, she's 1 meter 45 tall, has light brown hair with a fringe and blue eyes. She's been missing for more than 34 hours. All efforts to locate her have been unsuccessful and the police are widening their search. My mother always said, never part after an argument because something could happen to one of us and we'd never see each other again. And then it happened. She rarely went to school alone, but on that particular day she did. I watched her from the window as she left and walked towards the shopping center. Then she disappeared. And that was it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Horror Soup. This is another episode of True Crime Thursdays. After a little hiatus, I am Caleb. And I am Bree. Oh, you said your name this time. I did it right this time, guys. I was just thinking, like, all these new listeners are like, wait, who is this person? Well, because for a minute there, you would you would be like, I'm Caleb, and I'm here with Bree. And I'd be like, yo. So, like, yo. it threw me off. <laughs> threw me off a little bit. You were just like, oh, I'm going to default to Caleb. <laughs> default answer. Yeah, What's your name, Caleb? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I know some of you guys are probably pissed that we haven't done True Crime Thursdays in like uh, two weeks, but uh happens. We're back. We're back. And we're back with a fucking vengeance because I kind of went like research crazy with this episode. And Caleb I was, like, went off. I didn't really sleep for the past like day and a half, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is not okay. That's bad for your health. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> before we start this episode, though, we have two new Patreons to thank in the turkey soup tier, the both of hey. them. We have Gilly Savard, Gilly Savardo, Gilliard, Gilliard, Severdo, Gilliard, Savardiard, Gilliard, Savardi. I like Sa- your name. Sa- I, I really like that name, actually. <laughs> that's, that's a really dope name. I don't dude. know if this is real, Gilly Savard, but if it is, that's fucking awesome. If it's not, that's clever. If it's not, clever. then it's you clever. should make that your real name because that's nice. It's a nice name. It rolls off the tongue very nicely. It does. Yeah. It does. Thank Blafa. you. Thank you, Gilly Savard. And we also have Ashley Crowder in the turkey soup as well. It's not Ashlet. Yeah, no, yeah, you I know. Wrote, wrote Ashlet. I wrote Ashlet. Uh, mm-hmm. If your name was Ashlet, it would rhyme with Aglet, and maybe that would be cool. You could be an Aglet Crowder. Uh, I don't know if Aglets tend to crowd the room, but you crowd the room. You crowd the room with your beauty. Yes. Ashlet, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> You're awesome, Ashlet. <laughs> <laughs> just reminded me of a uh, fucking off topic, but that SpongeBob episode where they're selling chocolates and the, he opens the door and Patrick's just like, I love you. <laughs> That's okay. me. Well, that's, that's me fair. to you guys. Thank you. Also, guys, I hope I don't sound like shit, and I'm gonna be a little monotone right now because I am getting. I've been like trying to fight an illness, and it's just been like chilling here. So been beating his ass. Yeah, my throat's a little off. Nose a little off. It's gonna. I'm gonna cough. It's gonna happen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you better not get me sick, dude. <laughs> I might. So today I'm going to be covering the case of Natasha Kampusch. And she was born on February 17th, 1988. Natasha was imprisoned in Strasshof, a suburb of Vienna, for eight and a half years. And this was not too far from where Elizabeth Fritzl spent 24 years in captivity by her own father, Joseph Fritzl, 
which if some of our longtime listeners probably know, this was the first true crime case that we ever covered mm-hmm. way back in the day. It was like a very third episode. So yeah. uh, on that note, just remember, if you decide to go back and listen to that right now, it's an old episode, and I... Pre- it doesn't sound too good. <laughs> yeah, I previously deleted these episodes from our feed, and I just added them back since we're following up with this case, which happens to have a pretty distinct relation to the Fritzel case. Yeah, I was going to say, you should... you should. <clears throat> I didn't know you added them back. I was going to say you should have. Yeah. Because so, just in case, you know. Yeah, so if you guys do decide to listen to that, just remember that was old, didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Uh, we still don't, but we know what we're doing a little better now. Kind of. We're getting we're getting better. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe we're just reversing. <laughs> it's possible. I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't doubt it. So a little disclaimer for this episode. There are multiple books on this case, and there are a few written by like kind of unrelated authors. Um, one was by her mother shortly after Natasha escaped. Oh, wow. And now three to date by Natasha herself. Holy bejesus. Yeah. Her first um, was 3,096 Days in Captivity, which also inspired a 2013 film with the same title. Um, well, it was just like 3,096 Days. Mm-hmm. And uh, her second book was 10 Years of Freedom in 2016. And her third was titled uh, Cyber Nighter. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but it roughly translates to Cyber Jealous. And that just released in October of 2019. And it's kind of discussing her her struggle with cyberbullying and the hate that she's kind of got since she escaped. Wow, we're gonna get into, suck. Yeah, we're going to get into that later. There's a little more to that. People fucking suck. Or, it, wow. Oh, yeah. People really suck. This case is actually fucking insane. I thought it was a lot more cut and dry because when every time I read about it before, it seemed like there wasn't too much information about it. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. There's a lot about this. There's a lot of books, a lot of documentaries. There are many films and documentaries uh, that have also spawned from Natasha's story. But however, many of them aren't very well done because I watched <laughs> like, dude, I watched like seven like in this past like day and a half. Holy shit. Uh, some of them kind of have like some incorrect facts and a lot of them have biased opinions. So because of that, a lot of what I'm choosing to stick to in my story of this, you know, like my my telling of this, mm-hmm. a lot of what I'm going to talk about comes directly from Natasha's mouth because, you know, she's the only one who was 100% there and knows what happened. Yeah. Um, everything else that we're going to discuss it will be taken from trusted, non-biased sources. I had to weed out a lot. Like, I had to fact check on a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. because there is a lot of bullshit out here in this case. It's really disheartening. Jesus. I, I have only um, <clears throat> heard what you, what you have told me about this case. I've never, like, looked into it or anything. Yeah, I looked into it before, but not as deep as I have now. And it's, wow, I wish I did before, honestly. So I would like to recommend the doc titled um, Natasha Kampush. It's on Netflix from 2010, and it's also streaming on Amazon Prime for free, and it's titled Kidnapped, uh, colon, uh, Natasha Kampush. And it's labeled as 2017, but that's the same movie. It's under the same director. Oh, okay. It's just, I don't know why it's 2017 there and 2010 there, but it is from 2010. Huh. Um, and it's also free on YouTube right now as well. There was like two separate videos with different names. One of them's titled uh, 3096 Days, but that's unfortunately not that. It's kind of hard to find that. I want to find that movie though it looks yeah. really good it looks very well done hmm. um okay so anyway let's go ahead and let's get into this case because this is <laughs> a doozy it's not gonna be a short one either really okay well do our best but <laughs> <laughs> so there's a quote from natasha that you guys heard in the very beginning it was my mother said never part after an argument 
because something could happen to one of us and we'd never see each other again. And then it happened. Oh, man. So now we're going to get into this kidnapping. On the morning of the kidnapping, Natasha and her mother got into a fight, and her mother admitted to slapping her in the face before she left to go walk to school. Yikes. We'll get a little more into this later because it's kind of relevant to the story and some of the side stories that go along with this, but we're gonna but we're just gonna blow over that with no context right now, so you're welcome. <laughs> anyway, on the eighth or no, on March second, that's my place in my notes there you go <laughs> on march 2nd of 1998 10 year old natasha said that she was almost halfway to school on a two kilometer walk which is about 1.2 miles mm -hmm. and then she saw a man in the distance standing next to a white truck as if he was waiting for someone mm -hmm. and she said that she thought of crossing the street and you know going the other way but she just continued straight and kept going oh, mind you she is 10 years old wow so very young when she got closer to the um to the man he began to approach her and then he pretty much, like, as fast as it happened, he grabbed her. He dragged her into his truck. She tried to scream while this happened, but this is actually... I've said this so many times. This is my biggest fucking fear. She said she tried to scream, but no sound came out. Her voice just completely froze, and the man drove off with her. That, that gives me chills down my fucking I spine. I just got chills everywhere on my fucking body, dude. I that is a nightmare. Yep. A nightmare come true. Like, yeah. yeah. That's fucking terrifying. It's fucking terrible. So Natasha's mother said Natasha was never late. And after 10 minutes had passed, you know, after she was supposed to be home and she still mm -hmm. wasn't back, she started to panic. She decided to call a person responsible for Natasha that day at school, but she didn't get an answer. She said she waited about 30 minutes and then she called again and they informed her that Natasha had never arrived for school. Mm -hmm. Man. So Brigida and Natasha's father, Ludwig, Ludwig Koch, had been separated for some time, and he stated later to police that he had suspicions about his wife because supposedly early on she had stated that she, well, he had stated that she never even called him to see if their daughter was with him. Mm -hmm. She just like immediately like called the police and you know went off. And I get huh. that too. I, well, I mean, I get both sides. I, of it. I get both sides too. Because you you freak out, you call the police. I get that. But also, like, maybe you should call I, the father and see. But. I was going to say, at least after calling the police, be like, hey, like, I'm kind of freaked out. Where's our child? Yeah. I already called the police, but is she with you? Like, at least, at the very least. So this wasn't the only reason that he had suspicion, because she supposedly suggested, like, after, like, it was, like, two or three days mm -hmm. that she didn't think Natasha was alive anymore. And he was kind of just like, why are you giving up hope already? You know, like, what's what's this going on here? lady seems weird. It does seem weird. But I do want to go ahead and say that some of the actions and statements that I've read about counter some of, you know, her actions and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, I said actions a lot there. Um, <laughs> in an interview, Brigitte was asked why she had never moved. And she stated that it was because she knew that Natasha was going to come back to her. And she also purchased the same car that she had, like, when Natasha was a child. Mm -hmm. And, like, the first one crapped out on her. She had this, you know, car forever. That was what her daughter knew, you know. She was like, oh, yeah. that's my mom's red car. And it crapped out, and she bought another one so that, like, you know, if Natasha ever escaped, she could find it. Oh, like, wow. you know, from wherever she was, she would run back to her house. Or that's pretty good thinking. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, I think... But that's weird that, like, she didn't have hope, and then she did, like... Yeah, see, I'm almost wondering if maybe that wasn't entirely true, or if... I don't I don't know. Like, there's there's multiple sides to this, yeah. and this, this story's gonna get, like, crazier and crazier as okay. we go. It just gets fucking weird. Like, I'm just giving you, like, bits and pieces right now. Okay. So, a giant search had started, and soon the police obtained evidence of an abduction. 
And a witness had stated that around 7.20 that Monday morning, she saw a little girl being forced into a white truck parked on the side of the road. Why don't you do something? Well, the witness was 12 years old. Oh, okay. The witness was a child also walking to school and just like happened to see this. Okay, that makes sense. And we're going to get back into her a little bit later too. Okay. So this investigation brought in uh, 1,250 owners of white trucks and around 650 other people. And one of the people questioned was from Strasshoff, which was half an hour from the center of Vienna and inhabited around only like 8,000 people. Mm, pretty small. And, yeah, pretty small place. And the person brought in was a single hideous fucking 35-year-old Austrian man named Wolfgang Pricklopil. Pricklopil. Pricklopil, right? Pricklopil, yeah. because yeah. we looked at we looked at a pronunciation before this. So we, we are doing are, our best. <laughs> yeah, we are trying. And he had no criminal record. But they brought him in anyway for questioning, and um, he was living in his mother's house, and he said that he was home on the day in question, but he didn't have anyone to back up his alibi. Mm. The police didn't have any probable cause, though, so they just kind of took pictures of his truck. They filed it away, couldn't really do anything else at the moment, okay. or so it seemed. Um, on April 14th of 1998, the police received a tip about Wolfgang, or Wolfgang, Wolf, Wolf, Wolf. Wolfgang. I, I wouldn't just Wolfgang. say Wolfgang, yeah. I'm going to say Wolfgang. I, I think that's that's how it sounded on the video that I yeah. listened to. <laughs> uh, so about Wolfgang, eight days after his initial questioning. Mm-hmm. And the tip stated that the man was a loner. He had surveillance all around his house. He was thought to be a sexual predator. And finally, biggest piece of the pie, he owned a white truck. Mm. You know what's spooky? Huh. I've owned a white truck. Guess you're... Uh, Kidnapper? I guess so. Uh, That's a weird correlation you're making. (laughs) Anyway, a task force made a check for the supposed address that he lived at, and they found out that the address was his mother's, and Pricklepeel did not live there. He was just staying there. And Mm. they noticed that his truck was checked on the 6th of April, only a few days before, so the tip was just filed away, and it was completely forgotten. They pretty much forgot who he was. He wasn't under uh, suspicion anymore. Boom. He's gone. Uh, Pricklepeel, right? Yeah, Wolfgang. Oh, his first name is Wolfgang. Yes. Okay. Follow Brie. I thought Wolfgang was <laughs> a last name, but okay. Nope. First name. I think it's a both. I think it's both. It probably could be, maybe, but not in this case. Oh, okay. All right. I'm following. Wolf- I'm following. Wolfgang Sorry. Amadeus Mozart. That's a, That sounds very strong. Like, that person is very strong. You don't know who Mozart is? Wolfgang... No, but like the name sounds strong. I know oh. who Mozart is. Though, man. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that name is very strong. Like he'd be a, a warrior. It is, but this guy's not a warrior. Yeah, he is, not. and I'll post pictures of him too. He's a skinny little bitch with a weird jawline. He looks fucking terrible. I could I, beat his ass. Oh, you could. I, I hate this guy. So the police tapped Brigitte's phone line in case the attacker ever chose to call the house. But all they ever received were fake kidnappers stating that they had committed the crime. It's, it's, by the way, that's a that's a dick fucking move. Who the fuck? You know what you get? Jesus Christ, you dude. get these people in like a lot of cases, though, which is terrible. I don't understand like, like that thought process. It's like why would you want to be somebody so terrible? It's the need for attention. It's like just weird fucking people that want attention in all the wrong places. It's just, just freaking weirdos. Dude. It's a strange thing. It's like probably the same people that you know marry serial killers and whatnot. No, yeah, you're probably right. They're not exciting people. Not no <laughs> not no. Very just I, I weird. would not invite them to a barbecue. <laughs> I would not. A barbecue. I would. I would invite them bowling either. I dude. I would never invite them bowling. Not at all. They seem like a bad time. So on July eighteenth of two thousand two, a PI said to have his own theories about what happened, 
and he files a case against the police for mishandling the investigation. Mm -hmm. And because of this, 167 files had to be transferred to another facility for investigation. Oh, somebody's doing something, right? Yeah, kind of, yeah. And uh, there were (laughs) kind of there were tips (laughs) that uh, Natasha's body had been buried somewhere, but nothing was found. And soon after, the PI states that he believes Natasha's mom, Brigida, was somehow involved in the disappearance of her daughter. Hmm. And he claimed that she was having an affair with a businessman and that Natasha was in the way. He said that she murdered her and buried her. Oh. So he started doing things right, and then he kind of went a little... And then he went, yeah. A little off the rails, but I don't know. It, like, there's it, just a lot of weird ends on this, so, like, there's a lot of room for speculation, so I guess I kind of get it, but it, it's strange. It's strange. Very strange. So there's going to be some more talk about this later, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now that all these claims, they were false. Of course. Yeah, they didn't yeah, go anywhere. She did not murder her daughter. So uh, that's kind of like, I think you could kind of tell from the beginning of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, yeah, secrets. So as for Wolfgang's plan, Bricklapeel asked a few college slash, I don't know why I wrote Wolfgang sometimes. In Brickle- I wrote like mainly Bricklapeel, and then a lot of times I wrote Wolfgang too. That's weird. Same person. So he asked a fellow colleague slash coworker what would be the best sound insulator for the use of a hammer drill. And his friend told him that cement would be good against voices, but a rock wall would be the best deterrent against a sound like as loud as a hammer drill. He later said that he was horrified when he discovered that Priclopil used his guidance to build a prison for Natasha. But I'm also going to say that this guy has a lot of relevance in the story. This is Ernest. Um, last name omitted. It's not omitted. Uh, how do I pronounce it again? Holes... Hosopful. Oh, Hosopful. Hosopful? Okay, I needed help with that. I couldn't get Yeah, there you go. So that was Ernest Hosopful, who is going to come up a lot of times in the story as well. This guy, um, he, I don't think he is what he says he is at all. He's actually in the documentary as well, the Natasha Mm Kampusch one, the kidnapped one, or the, you know, just the Natasha Kampusch that you find on Netflix or Amazon. Okay. He is in that. He is in it pretty heavily, and the whole time, he just gave me a weird fucking vibe, but that was the first documentary I watched, and he seems like he's just, he was a, he was the best friend of Wolfgang, Mm -hmm. Brick Lapeel, and he was pretty much around for like a lot of it, it seems. Uh, he likes to say that he didn't know anything about the kidnapping, but his story is going to change a fucking lot. And just the just the way this guy talks about anything, I know that doesn't really, you know, tell that he did anything, but... Yeah, but still. I get weird fucking vibes from this guy, and as I read more and more about him, I don't trust this guy at fucking all. I don't think that he was horrified when he discovered any of this, because he already knew. He already fucking knew, man. Pretty sure, dude. So, back to what happened after the initial taking of Natasha on the street earlier that day. Bricklapil told her that if she didn't scream or try to stand up in the van, that he would not hurt her. Natasha said that she roughly knew where they were headed. Like, she was looking out the window, and mm-hmm. she was seeing... She was looking at all the terrain around her, and she was like, okay, I recognize, like, you know, this tree, this sign. She was like, I would kind of drive around these areas with my mother. Mm-hmm. So, she had a general idea of where she was going, but she didn't really know. She's 10, you know? Yeah. So he then drove to he he then drove the van into the garage, his garage, and he wrapped her in a blanket and carried her into the house. He brought her downstairs and put her down on a floor in a dark cell. Natasha sat there and she started to just count the time because he literally just left her in there, closed the door, turned off the lights, left. Kind of very similar to what Joseph Fritzl did yeah, to his daughter when he first put her in there. Jesus Christ, man. And he started to count the, she started to count the time that she was in there until she just, you know, she lost track. 
Poor baby. That day, Prickly Peel put a thin mattress in the room, like very fucking thin. I saw a picture of it. It's repulsive. And Natasha had to use her sweater as a pillow. He didn't give her like a blanket or like a pillow or anything else. He just tossed a mattress in there. And within two days, he took her backpack and he burned her shoes and told her that it was because she wouldn't need them anymore. This breaks my heart, dude. He also told her many times that um, his father, uh, her father and her mother sold her to him. And they knew about what was going on and they were like, they didn't want you. He pretty much just like whispered like obscenities into her ear all the time. Oh my, this is, this one's going to make me cry. It's pretty fucking bad. So she wasn't able to contact Prickly Peel if she needed anything. He would just show up as he pleased. Also similar to Joseph Ritzel. Yeah. And she said that she would sometimes, uh, he would sometimes not close all the doors and she would knock to try to get his attention, you know, throughout Uh the house. And eventually he just started to get pissed off and he did something about this. Um, Natasha said that initially Prickly Peel didn't do anything to her beside the initial kidnapping um, and the torture and humiliation didn't come until later which was when she began to truly like truly fucking hate him yeah but this is also um, she I couldn't find the exact timeline of this she later admitted you know that a lot of torture and humiliation and sexual abuse did happen it took her a long time to come to terms with it yeah but I don't know if that was actually true you know if it didn't come until later or if it happened immediately that might have been part of her story, and she might not have wanted to admit that. And that's fine as well, you know. It's yeah. it's her story to tell. Yeah. But that's just what I found on it. Um, mm-hmm. Natasha also didn't immediately come forward with full details of her story, including topics about the sexual abuse that she had endured during her captivity. But she has since come forward with more information. She was, in fact, raped many times during her eight and a half years that she spent underground. And after a while, you know, you know how I said that he got pissed that she was, uh, like, knocking and whatnot? Yeah. He ended up installing an intercom system so she could just, like, talk to him, like, throughout the house. He pretty much ignored her, though. I don't know what the point of it was. It was just kind of, I don't, I don't I know. Don't under- yeah, I don't know what the point of that was. That's cool. Give her a false sense of safety, maybe? I don't know. So, a little while later, he installed a timer that was hooked up to the lighting. So, Natasha said that the timer would go on at a certain time, and then it would just shut off. Kind of like when prison lights go on and off. He literally wanted to make it resemble like a fucking prison. So that's always fun. Um, There were insects all around. It smelled terrible. And there was a ventilator that was basically torture to her because of how loud it was. It would get really fucking hot and it would just make noises. She said it was like, talk, 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 talk. And it would just keep fucking going, like driving her insane until the fan literally broke. Jesus Christ. And that just sounds fucking maddening to me, honestly. Like that, that would... That's that's enough to piss anyone off. That's enough to make me like stick shit into my ears so I don't have to hear anything anymore. Yeah, it's fucking that sounds terrible. Like uh, just on top of everything else that's going on in her yeah. life and this, then you have to deal with that. Like that's just oh this, god. That would definitely drive me to insanity. So she began to sense when um Prickly would be coming because she would hear him approaching, she would hear him moving the safe and opening the door and I'm going to talk about that safe in a little bit. Okay. There was a safe like in front of the door that he had like a it was kind of like was a it whole like a secret door or? Yeah, it was a secret door. Dude, it was a whole fucking like Joseph Ritzel thing again too except like you know, he had his whole fucking like that giant uh whatever it was called, that giant bunker. Mm-hmm. But he had just like it was like an underground thing in his house like under his garage. Okay. It was like an underground cellar that he had like a, the tiniest secret door to. I'm going to talk a lot more about that in a little bit. It's fucking crazy. Okay. So her stomach would twist and turn. She would break out in cold sweats. And Prickly Peel would often let Natasha go hungry, even though he 100% had the money to feed her regularly. Like he had a fucking BMW that he would just like drive around being all flashy and shit. What a piece of shit. But he wouldn't feed her. He would give her like little fucking scraps. 
So sometimes the torture and humiliation was so bad that she would try to scream for help and Priclopeel would choke and hit her. Um, and Natasha wasn't allowed upstairs to help Priclopeel in whatever work he was doing, supposedly supposedly because he was afraid that she would attack him like with his tools. Oh, so you know what you're doing is wrong. Yeah, uh, one, oh, 100% he knew it was wrong. Oh my God. Eventually, after seven years, because um, she, she was captive for, like we said, eight and a half years. Uh-huh. After seven years, he decided to let her come out. And this was only after he was, quote unquote, sure that Natasha was not terrified him of him. That and she he, was terrified of him. You mean. Yeah, that she was terrified okay. of him um, and assumed that she would not attempt to escape. Okay. Um, she had not seen daylight in years and still didn't when she came upstairs because this asshole closed all the fucking blinds and he just engulfed the house with darkness. So he was like, okay, you can come up, but. You're not going to get to see the daylight. Yeah, I'm going to give it the same effect of this other, like, shitty little room that I've had you living in forever. Oh my God, dude. So fucked up. Um, he started to bring Natasha upstairs more and more until he he turned her into a literal fucking slave, like, just tending to his every need. I saw this fucking coming. Yeah. Natasha wasn't allowed to touch anything because he didn't want police to ever be able to find fingerprints in his house, and if she did, he would fucking punish her. Um, he was also a clean freak and he hated the look of fingerprints on anything just in general. So there was like two reasons for that. And so if she, yeah. if she touched anything with bare hands, he literally beat the shit out of her. Jesus Christ, dude. Um, one of Priclopil's friends, the one uh, I talked about earlier, uh, Ernest, uh, shit for brains. Um, he said, I visited his house multiple times a year, but nothing ever seemed out of the ordinary. He was really into hygiene and his house was always clean. So at this point, Natasha was like fucking sick and tired of having to help him with whatever work he wanted her to do upstairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so much, in fact, that she preferred to just be in her cell most of the time. She was like, literally, just leave me the fuck alone. Like I would yeah. rather be locked up in here than have I to would, deal yeah. with your bullshit. I would rather, I would rather be locked up than have to have to fucking interact with my kidnapper slash abuser. Yeah, and if he was sick, she would have, she would have to come upstairs and tend to his needs, like make him soup, make him tea. And then he would just send her back down into the cellar. And she said this this aspect was extremely fucking frustrating in particular mm-hmm. because when he would get sick, he would just completely forget that Natasha was a person and needed to be cared for as well. He just wanted her to do everything for him, tend to his every need. So she would go hungry many times and she said that she began to ask herself things like, why am I hungry? Why do I need to be hungry? Can I just like survive without food? Can you imagine? Yeah, it's... Can you imagine thinking that like... Like, why can't I survive without food? That should never be a thought in anybody's head, dude. No, it should not. So he would even show her food. He would cut off a tiny little sliver for her to eat. Like, he would be like, oh, here's this food. Do you want this? And he was, he was literally teasing her with food. He's just the biggest piece of shit in the world. A fucking sick bastard is what he is. Yep. He said that since she had such a small living area, she didn't need the energy from the food. You still need to eat, you dumb fuck. Yeah, I don't think he knows that that's how... Was this guy fat? Humans were. No, dude. Like I said, he's skinny as shit. Oh, God. He's skinny with a weird little fucking dumb jawline. Um, if she cried, he would rub her tears into her face with the back of his hand. And he would also drag her into the bathroom and force her to cry into the sink of fear that the acid in her tears would deteriorate his tiles in the <laughs> cellar that he had her living in. Let that sink in. Like, just, just, just. Uh, not f- only is he fucking demented but he's a fucking idiot dude oh he's a complete idiot he's a that that makes no fucking sense he is a complete fucking asshole he is a he's a psychopath and he's just he's a complete idiot like are you first of all okay you're worried about tears deteriorating your top that you'd need a lot of tears (laughs) for that second of all 
it's in your cellar that you're keeping a person in. That nobody seems to know about. And you're not even like cleaning her and caring for her and there's like insects crawling around in the room. Oh so I'm pretty God. sure if something else, if something's going to deteriorate the tiles, it's probably going to be like the bugs and the disgusting shit everywhere because yeah, dude. you're making this poor girl live in fucking filth. In squalor. Yeah, it's squalor. That's a, that's, a that, fun, that's a fun word to say. As, as not a, a not a fun topic, but that's, not a fun topic, that's, but it is a, a fun. Word. It's a good word. It's, a good word. it's an interesting word. <laughs> it's probably not a fun word for the people that aren't squalor. Yeah, that's it's just fun to say. <laughs> it's a who invented squalor? That I actually, don't know. That's a very old word. That kind of sounds so. fancy. Squalor. Yeah. Sounds like Esquire. 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 Esquire the third. <laughs> it kind of sounds like a, a snail's name, like a fancy snail. Esquire. I think. Uh, I think that's also from SpongeBob. We've come full circle. There we go. So Natasha said that many times she just wanted to give up until she realized that she could not allow herself to be defeated by this major asshole. And I Mm -hmm. love that. I love that fucking energy. She was like, she is going through so much hell. And she's like, you know what? Yeah, you're not going to fucking win this. I would have the same fucking train of thought, dude. I mean, like, you'd want to hope so. I. I, Yeah, no, you're right. Everybody's different. You want to hope so. This chick is strong, especially from being in this since she was 10 years old, dude. She didn't have a childhood. I was just going to say that. Like, like I would like to think that that would be me in this situation, but you never know until you're in it. And it takes a hell of a strong fucking woman to do that. So congrats to you, Natasha. We're going to get into it more. She is one of the strongest chicks I've ever fucking read about. Like, not even just the fact that she was in this fucking hell from 10 to 18. Like, those are the formal years of your yeah. life. That is, like, the biggest building point of your that's, life. That's eight years you're never going to get back of your life. Well, not just dude. eight years, dude. The, you're, the, like... The age 10 to 18? That's when you, like, grow and, like, learn about the world. Yep. Yeah, she just missed out on all that, and she is still a strong-ass oh, motherfucker. I love this chick. So, Natasha didn't have much to do in the cellar, but Prickly Peel did give her some books, which she took to immediately. Like, she fucking loved reading. Mm-hmm. He bought her fiction books, nonfiction, and school books. And apparently, he was very good at math, and Natasha asked him to mark off tests to track her progress. And unfortunately, he was a fucking control freak, so he would literally just, like, mark off, like, a bunch of answers if he was pissed off at her and just tell her that they were all wrong just to give him some sort of, like, weird, old-fashioned teacher satisfaction. Like, she said that she I felt like he... I hate this guy. Yeah, she felt like that he just wanted to be, like, that controlling asshole teacher. Of course. So that that's just... I, this guy pisses me off. Eventually, he gave Natasha access to go into the garden at night with him for maybe, like, five or ten minutes at most. She said that she was extremely happy to feel fresh air and, you know, to be able to do something as simple as touch a tree. That breaks my heart, dude. Yeah, it's hard to think about, like, something as simple as that just was lightening her world up. Yeah. She even asked if she could take a piece of the garden inside of the cell so that she could remind herself of the nature that was right outside. That makes me want to fucking cry, honestly. That is so hard to read. She was extremely weak and malnourished, but she was still forced to do heavy lifting and manual labor for this fucking asshole. What a fucking asshat. Um, she believes that the only reason she survived all these years was because she said she forgave him for everything nearly like as soon as it happened, which is probably the hardest thing in the world to do. Yeah. I can't imagine. She said that if she hadn't forgave him, she would have been filled with hate and it would have become unbearable and it would have slimmed her chances of survival. Mm. To understand that at the age that she was is fucking incredible to me. I Yeah, that's like a... That's next fucking level, that honestly. That is, dude. She's a wizard. Like, that is... She is so fucking intelligent. I don't... 
I can't say that I would be able to do that at that age. I wouldn't be able to do whatever. I wouldn't have a grasp of like. I yeah, damn dude. So she said that she could easily see that he was unsafe, unstable. He was fucking losing it, and he saw the kidnapping as a solution to all of his built-up mental issues. He thought that if he couldn't obtain what he wanted, he would take it by force, mm-hmm. which obviously is what he did. At the seven-year mark, uh, most people wouldn't even be able to recognize Natasha anymore yeah. because she was an adult at this point. She was 17 now, right? Yeah, she was 17, yeah. and he even took her into the city like in public to renovate an apartment with him. Yeah. This girl, dude. He just took her out oh, in the fucking public, God, but dude. she was so she was so terrified of this man, you know, and yeah. he made like he made sure before he took her out anywhere, he was like if you try to talk to anyone, you try to do anything, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill them. Like he fucking terrified her. No, I know, I'm not saying that. Like I don't No, I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just telling you what he told yeah, her. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm just saying like that's you are fucking strong, dude. You're a superhero. So she states that um, some people even asked her why she didn't attempt to escape at this time. And that's because, you know, what I just fucking said right now, and which is pretty obvious. I don't get why anyone would fucking ask her to begin with. It pisses me off. I hate when people ask that question. Like, even some, like, even when girls are like in abusive or people are in abusive relationships, they're like, oh, why don't you just leave? Yeah. It's most of the time, dude, like, it's. It's fucking hard. Like, put yourself in somebody else's shoes for once, and even then, like, you don't know what it's like. No, you, you don't. You don't know what it's like. You can only try to imagine, and even then, you're not going to come even you're, yeah. fucking close I, to understanding what someone went through. Don't ask that fucking question. Yeah, it's fucked up. And she said that it was because of that, and also because he made sure she was always carrying something heavy so that she couldn't just, like, run. He had his eyes on her, like, at all fucking times. Oh my God, that was so, that's so fucking creepy, dude. And one day when they were out in public, there was a traffic jam, and there was actually a checkpoint. A police checkpoint. This is what, this is some of the shit that pisses me the fuck off. Natasha tried to signal that something was wrong to the police officer. Like, she was trying to, like, do, like, weird eye movements and, like, try to just, like, signal, like, hey, you know, I'm not okay without yeah. saying something because she couldn't. But he was basically an idiot. Her words, too. She was like, I think this guy was just fucking dumb because, like... <laughs> the the he, cop? Yeah, the cop, because he okay. didn't pick up on fucking anything. Like, she was trying to signal, like, hey, help me. And he just, like, was like, oh, well, give me your license, registration, blah, 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 and just moved on. Oh, my God. He dude. said that, she, that he even, like, looked at her like she was having, like, like, a seizure or something, or she had, like, a mental illness, and he just kind of, like, ignored it. It was just like, whatever. Didn't even ask any questions, didn't do anything, just let them move on. Piece of shit. And Pricklepeel just drove off. Probably could have uh, avoided this right then. This was already seven years down the line, but still, she could have probably been out earlier if this fucking yeah. asshole cop, whoever he was, I couldn't find a name or anything. But fuck you. You're I a ho- dick. I hope you got fired. Yeah, honestly. Like, you... I don't... Because I just imagine, like, if you're making all these movements and stuff and there's someone that, like... I'm sure it wasn't subtle. Yeah. I'm sure... I'm Dude, I'm sure she was, like, literally mouthing, help me. Yeah, like you have to pick up on like, that shit. As can, a police officer. As a police officer, that should be I was just gonna that say shit. that should be part of your training. And even if it's not, it if is. somebody mouths help me, <coughs> you can tell. Like especially like with the look that was probably in her eyes, dude. She probably looked like she needed help. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And she also said that she wanted to run out and pound on cars, but she feared that people would assume that she was a drug addict because of how thin and pale she was. Because you know oh she's she's been in fucking captivity with like no sunlight for yeah. years and years and years. She's malnourished, so it's like she didn't know what people were gonna think, which is also very sad. And one day they went to go and pick up a trailer, and she saw Prickly Peel's best friend, um, Ernest, 
whom he was borrowing the trailer from. Hmm. Like she was literally standing right in front of him, shook his hand and everything. She said that she wasn't sure if he was an accomplice of her captures, of her uh, or her capture, you know, capturer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So she didn't say anything to him. She just shook his hand as she was told to, and kind of moved on. And he even said he was like, "Oh, I just uh, he just introduced her as like you know some chick, and I didn't recognize her or anything." So it's like, all right, fucking weirdo, fucking idiot. I don't trust this guy. Sorry, I don't. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I no. guess it's possible that he's innocent. I don't fucking think I he is. I don't think so. I don't so. think he is at all. Doesn't you, sound like it. You don't even know what I know yet. Like, if we're going to get to all that shit. So, finally, one day, after an entire eight years, Natasha found a way to escape. Bricklip Hill brought her into the garage and told her to vacuum his car. The noise was very loud, so he walked off to the side to take a phone call, and he forgot to lock the gate. Mm. He always remembered to lock the gate, and, like, he always took all these precautions to make sure she didn't get out. He forgot this time. And he was so, he was so bothered by the vacuum, like he couldn't hear anything. It was so loud. He didn't even hear her running off or anything. Holy so, shit, dude! Yeah. So she took this opportunity. She fucking ran I, as yeah. fast as she could. She got the fuck out of there, and she didn't even stop at like the first house or like second house or anything. She just ran. She fucking ran. She made sure that she was like a while away before Far she knocked on someone's away. door. So smart, dude. So Pricklepeel very soon realized that she had escaped. There was pretty much no hesitation on his end, except there was, and I'm going to get into this. This got revealed a little bit later, mm-hmm. but it seemed like there was no hesitation on his end. He got into his car. He drove to nearby train tracks. He laid on the tracks, and a train came by and crushed his skull and killed him. Wow, what a fucking coward. Yeah, he's a fucking pussy. Um, Natasha was told about this news, and it was said that she cried uncontrollably when she heard the news of his death. It was said that this is possible Stockholm Syndrome at this point. I, yeah. It could be, or maybe from happiness? No, it it wasn't that. It was not, like, happiness tears That's at all. crazy no, to this, me, dude. There, there are many reports about this, and we're going to get more into this, like, pretty much right now. Okay. So, as it pertains to the Joseph Fritzl case, Natasha escaped in uh, 2006, which was two years before Elizabeth Fritzl had escaped from her own dungeon, only about an hour and a half away from where Natasha had been kept. Mm-hmm. If you remember from the Fritzel episode, uh, Elizabeth Fritzel had a television inside of her cellar, and she actually saw the media coverage of Natasha's story and her escape eight years in captivity. Yeah, I, I remember hearing that. Yeah, that was like a very prominent part of the story because yeah. she was like, this is kind of giving me hope. Yeah. Maybe I can Ugh. get out too. You know, this happened to someone else. She felt sad because it happened to someone else, you know, this, obviously, but. This is so sad, dude. So, onto the house and the cellar itself. I'm definitely going to post pictures of the cellar that she was left in, and I'm also going to post a picture with the title of, like, this YouTube video that guides you through the entire house and cellar. Holy shit. But let's go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, it's like a six-minute video, and it guides you through the entire house and, like, everything. Wow. It's, it's fucking eerie. It's really hard to watch. So, the cellar prison was hidden in the garage under a trap door covered by a large storage cabinet and some tires. Once it was removed, and it's really fucking, like, slick too like it looks like there's nothing under there Mm -hmm. it just looks like a fucking toolbox and shit um once removed there was a safe which covered a hole in the wall and this literally looked like a safe that was in the fucking wall too like that didn't even look like it was anything it's weird the only way to enter was to crawl backwards through this small hole and then and they actually show you how they crawled through it too it's fucking weird dude. dude And then he would close a 330-pound steel and concrete door behind him, which is weird because, dude, that's what fucking Joseph Fritzl had, too. He had a—it was like 600 pounds or something, but he had a giant steel— It really trips me out how many similarities there are in these two different cases that are, like, completely separate but in the same area, too. It almost makes me think of, like, this was, like, a thing. Like, more things happened like this. 
dude, it's fucking weird. It's really fucking weird. Like it blows my mind. Like how many how many times has this happened and just nobody found out about it? I know. And how many how that's, many people are still going through this right fucking now? That's gut wrenching, dude. It's so fucking weird, dude. So after you get through that, you turn left, open two double wooden doors, and he would reach a fifty three square foot cell. Oh my god, that's tiny. Yeah. Natasha said that it would take him about an hour to do all of this oh and get God. inside. It was really fucking elaborate. Um, she said that if he was working fast or hadn't fully locked everything, it would take him a little less time. But she stated that it took like a lot of fucking effort for him to open and close the cell. Oh my God. And if, it, if anything had happened to him and he wasn't able to return and set her free, she would be stuck similar to, and this is a quote from her, an Egyptian pharaoh buried alive. Oh my God, dude. Fucking terrifying. So, on to Priclopila as a person. He was an only child, and after the death of his father, he developed a supposedly intense relationship with his mother. He had, quote-unquote, high expectations of women, and they had to be slender and bleach blonde. And I don't, mm. I don't know how this guy has any expectations of anything, because you should just, well, while I'm saying all this right now, go ahead and look up a picture of him, dude, because he's fucking disgusting. He's, like, the ugliest dude I've ever seen. He looks terrible. He was known by his friends to be very reliable, but also very shy and introverted. Um, he hated society. He hated his neighbors, but he put on a friendly face and acted as if he enjoyed the presence of everyone. He's ugly, right? Oh, he's terrible. He's fucking terrible looking. That's his friend right there. Uh, that's Ernest. Yeah, I don't trust you, Ernest. Yeah, he looks even worse with a mustache, too. Oh, my God. This guy's eyes are haunting, dude. It That picture on the right right there, what the... The he picture that like you guys can't see that I'm demon, talking about. Dude. Yeah, he's fucking terrifying looking. I don't like him at all. It, oh, God. Yeah, so he pretended to conform to society on the daily while living the secret life of a fucking demon person. Um, as for the aftermath, Natasha's story immediately made headlines everywhere. There were talks of cover-ups, mistakes in the investigations, and downright fucking conspiracy. Mm. The media had talk of pedophilia rings that uh, Priclopeal was involved in, possibly. Um, other cover-ups by the government, as well as others involved in this whole case. Mm -hmm. Natasha denied all of this. She didn't think that anyone else was involved in this. She said that she only had contact with her capturer the entire time in her cell. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't believe that he would even have time for a child pornography ring or anything of the sort. But there's also some stuff that goes back and forth on this, so we don't know for sure. Okay. Natasha said that she believes that the media wanted to believe this and that even if there was definitive proof that it wasn't true, they would have fought for the idea anyway because humans always want a good story. And she's fucking right. Yeah. She's right. Like, even if that wasn't true, people would want that to be true. Mm -hmm. They just want to hear fucking something weird. So she said that the interviewers immediately asked her if she was, like, raped or sexually abused, like, right when they started talking to her. And she was like... It makes I, me fucking sick. Yeah, dude. and she's like, I don't want to fucking talk about this, like... I just got out. And she stated that the way the media treated her after her escape was easily another form of fucking abuse. Like, she felt like that after she got out of the cellar, she was just right back in it. Like, she was still trapped. Just, oh my, dude. It's back to fucking Fritzel. It's literally, it's back to Fritzel. Like, leave people the fuck alone, dude. It's Just so leave people the fuck alone. Like, you're literally doing this for money, dude. Yeah. How fucking sick are you? It's disgusting, dude. Like, it's just this... All this shit is fucking backwards. So, since Priclopeal was gone and Natasha was on the... She was the only one left to give details about the case. Like, mm -hmm. no one else knew anything. He's He fucking killed himself a couple hours after. Police were looking for him, too. And you know what's crazy? I'm going to talk about this a little more, but... Uh, sorry, I keep saying this. There's, like... There was, like, a thousand cops looking for him. I feel like there should have been more. 
I don't know how many people were in that fucking town, but like there was like a thousand cops looking for him and he still avoided all of it, which you ask me is fucking sketchy. Just sounds weird to me. I don't know. Another thing too is that he was in the public and I have some more details about that in a minute. So she's the only one left. Uh, Her father, Ludwig Koch, even had some other thoughts about the case. Before that, it's pretty important to mention that um, Natasha was his only daughter. And while she was missing, he spent all of his time searching for her for eight fucking years. Oh, wow. Eight years. He spent all of his money, all of his savings. He took, like, flights to, like, different areas and, like, Mm -hmm. just investigated all around just trying to find out what happened to his daughter and where she was. He, like, never gave up hope on her. Yeah. He was always looking for her. So in 2008, Koch was said to have suspicions that his ex-wife may have had a hand in the disappearance of his daughter. He felt this way because of Brigitte's statement that I mentioned earlier regarding her believing that her daughter was already dead like a few days after her disappearance. Yeah. And Brigitte was questioned after the discovery of her daughter and was asked if she had ever seen Priclopeel in person. And she said that she had never seen him before. This also grew suspicion because it was said by an employee at the shop that Brigitte worked at that Priclopeel actually came into the store a few months before the kidnapping. Like it was between like two and six months before she was kidnapped Mm -hmm. when she was 10 years old. And she said that Natasha's mother was definitely there that day. Well, I mean, that could be, but how are you going to remember somebody who walked into your store 10 years later, dude? No, I know, but it was just... That's, I mean, I can understand how it's weird, but... It was just the weird thing of, like, you know, you see the picture of the person that kidnapped your daughter. Yeah. And you don't recognize, like, wait, you know, I've seen that somewhere before. Yeah, but I mean, because she didn't just say that like she was definitely there. She said that she definitely noticed him. Like she she saw her look at him and possibly talk to him as well. Well, yeah, if he came into the store, you're gonna yeah. talk to him. It's like, just dude, I can't remember people that came into Burger King. No, three yeah, years no. Ago. it's definitely speculation, but it's also just in regards to a lot of other shit that's going on in this story. So yeah. you know, you kind of have to mention some of it because you got to put all the facts together. Yeah, there's a lot to this story. There's a fucking lot. But I do totally get where you're coming from. And I, yeah. I agree with that too, honestly. Yeah. I agree. I think it is a stretch, but there's also some parts that made me think like, I don't know, like maybe. I mean, like it's weird because I would like to think if I saw somebody who looked like that man mm-hmm. come into my store that I would remember him. Mm-hmm. But she didn't know what this guy was going to do or what he was capable of. Like she had no idea. We know. So just from yeah, looking yeah. at him, we're like, oh, fuck you. But she had no idea. She thought he was a regular dude. So I could say more on this. I don't really want to get into the conspiracy theories of this right now because the more I research into this, I realized I want to do another episode on this. Mm -hmm. I really do, but I want to deep dive into the conspiracies and everything that's going on in this. Yeah, I fucked it up. I want to deep dive into all of it like because there is a lot. There's entire books on conspiracy theories about this, about just like mishandlings by the police and other shit. And I want to get into all of that. And I want to do a whole another episode on the theories that go into this. That sounds really fucking interesting because some fuck shit is definitely going on with the police, dude. Yeah. And there, dude, there's more too. There's so much fucking, we're still getting into more shit. It's fucking crazy, dude. So anyway. Koch also wrote a book regarding the mistakes made by the Austrian police department, and mm-hmm. he even ex- uh, accused the police force of covering up much of the quote-unquote real story in order to avoid a giant scandal. I don't doubt it. Yeah, Ludwig has all—he wrote a whole fucking book. He does not believe that the story that we know is the real story at all. Like, he believes there is a lot more to this. This, du- this dude sounds like a good dad. Yeah, he's really into it, but that it's also caused some problems in their relationship. But since oh, it's, okay. it's been recovered since, but 
it's kind of rocky. Like the oh yeah, it's caused a lot of I, a I lot could, of. I could imagine because he's he's kind of like wanting to get justice, and she probably just wants to move on. Yeah, know? so yeah. it's kind of like there's a yeah there's a black and white spot I between this. I get both sides of it, but I also I think I sided with her a little more because if she does want to, if she wants it quiet, just keep it fucking just quiet. Just keep it quiet. Just yeah, keep it quiet. So he believes um, that Ernest holds Hosopful. Hosopful. I'm so fucking bad, dude. I literally listened to the pronunciation of that like ten times. It's so I listened hard. to it ten times. Dude. No, you listened to it like, <laughs> dude. I listened to it like thirty times before we before you got here. I can't remember it. Um, so AKA Pricklopil's Pricklopil's best friend, who I quoted multiple times earlier in the story. Um, he was his partner. He he believes that he was his partner in the kidnapping and containment of his daughter. Mm-hmm. Like he 100 percent believe that this guy has complete involvement in it. He does not he does not believe Ernest for a fucking second, like less than I do. So um her dad. Yeah, her father. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I d- yeah, I don't doubt it. So Ernest claimed to only be a workplace acquaintance of Pricklopples, but Koch discovered that they had nicknames for each other. They took skiing vacations together. They regularly met at bars and they even celebrated New Year's together every single year. Yeah, that's not an acquaintance, bud. That's not a workplace acquaintance. That's a so, fucking best friend. Yeah, so that's the thing. This guy's story, all fucking over the place. He's caught lying multiple times. Apparently, Ernest's sister, uh, Margaret Wendelberger. That I, sounds right. That sounds right. I was going to say I'm not going to make fun. I'm going to make fun of that. Wendelberger? Wendelberger? <laughs> you're really going to- Wendy's Burger? You're going to let yourself be named that? Change your name, man. I just, okay. Well, apparently Wendelberger even had a whole ass relationship and child with Pricklopple. Yeah, this shit's getting fucking weird. What? He, or she denies this, but she hasn't been able to explain why she handled his funeral arrangements and why she was one of the only people who attended his funeral. The other people who attended the funeral were Pricklopple's mother and Natasha. The only people who attended the funeral. Uh, uh, what? Yeah, um, Natasha was, it, it was said that Natasha was hysterically crying, like, holding onto his coffin. This is weird, dude. It's getting really this fucking weird, dude. This is getting really weird. So, I had trouble at first believing that Margaret was actually involved in this, because I saw it in, like, one article, and I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is true. Like, this might just, because, like I said, there's a lot of biased bullshit out here, and a lot of just, like, yeah. incorrect facts thrown out. So, I was like, I don't know if this is true. I further researched it, and I found in multiple, like, legit sources that, quote, the sister of a former business partner of Prick Lopples attended the funeral. That's fucking Ernest's sister. That's fucking his sister, dude. Like, there's no doubt about that in my mind after reading all that. Oh my god, this is so fucking weird. So, Koch's book is based on over 57,000 police files that are now public domain thanks to his lawyer on this case. Wow. Koch tells the world that there is evidence that would have led to Ernest being involved, as well as evidence that, if not ignored by the police, would have led to Pricklopel being caught days after the abduction. Mere days after the initial abduction, which we talked about a little bit probably would have happened if they were fucking competent. This makes me so fucking angry, dude. So, Ernest is believed to have been the last person to talk to Pricklopple due to phone records, and he is even believed to be the last person to see him alive before his suicide. Oh my god! This was also confirmed. At first, this was speculation for a while. This was confirmed because he was caught on film at a shopping center with Pricklopple hours before he supposedly committed suicide, and that's going to go around too because it is now... It's supposedly now. We don't even know if he committed suicide now. 
And this this fuck? isn't at this point, but this comes a little bit later in the story. So he told officers that he had no idea about what was really going on and that his friend told him that police were after him because he was drinking and driving and he didn't want to lose his license. Mm. But there, I don't think a thousand cops would be after you for yeah. uh, losing your license. Yeah, no. Or for drinking and driving. So Ernest decided, um, or Ernest denied knowing anything about the kidnapping, but he admitted in 2009, and by the way, 2006 was the release. Mm-hmm. That was eight years later. Um, 2006 was when Natasha escaped. They talked to him that fucking day. Yeah. He admitted in 2009, three years later, that his friend, Prick Lopel, admitted that he had raped and kidnapped Natasha Kampush right before he left the car to head to the train tracks. I have no fucking words. Ernest claimed that he didn't want to tell the truth because he thought that investigators would wrongly link him with the crime. You're fucking linked, you dumbass idiot. Yeah, you are. And you not telling investigators about that if you were innocent makes not, no fucking sense. You're not innocent it anymore. makes no fucking sense. He was also let... This this blows my fucking mind, dude. And this is fact. This is fucking fact. He was let into Pricklopel's house mere hours after his suicide, which some suspect... Some some people suspect may have been because he was getting rid of evidence. Like, like why, he was in there and he didn't yes, want to be found. Yes, because... No, dude, like, why the fuck would a friend of this guy who just got... Who just committed suicide... After kidnapping a girl and keeping her captive for eight years, why would they let his friend into an active crime scene? There is some fuck shit going on with the police because I'm like it makes almost no fucking positive sense, dude. that a cop let him into the house. Yes. Because it was 100%. a crime scene at this point. Yes. There were cops there. There were cops there when this happened. Yeah. No. The cops, the cops got me all fucked up right now, dude. He stated that he was there to remove tools that belonged to him in the house, but he was accused of removing computers and images of Natasha that would have proved that he was involved in the capture. Oh my this god. This isn't this isn't like fact. That part isn't fact 100%, but that's what he's being accused of. The suicide note found near Proclopel's body because there was a suicide note was also said to have more similarities to Ernest's handwriting rather than Proclopel's. So it looks like he wrote his suicide note. He was even confirmed to have shared over a hundred phone calls with Natasha after her escape. I I have no words. Gets, I have no words. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna really fucking bonkers, and that part still hasn't been like they haven't determined what those calls are about. Like a lot of some of the speculations are, you know, maybe maybe he was involved. And she knew, and, you know, there was something that she just had to talk to him about. There was something that's keeping her from revealing that. Mm-hmm. Or it's possible that he wasn't involved whatsoever, and um, she was talking to him, you know, just because he was close to Pricklopel, and he was like, you know, she's having this kind of Stockholm Syndrome, and that's the only person yeah. she can talk to about it. I seem to think that it leans toward the other. But I don't know. I I don't want to believe that she's involved in this, and I don't really think that she is. I don't exactly, either. but I think the calls very the calls are what really throw me off though because that is fact. That isn't just a speculation. Yeah. That is something it's that is on records, record. Yeah. yeah. Those those came directly from her phone records. Oh wow, dude. I so, don't know. I don't really know how to feel about this. That is something that I'm going to want to talk about more when I look more into this. Like this is stuff that I don't want to speculate on too much mm-hmm. because I don't know all the facts about it at this point. This is all like I have the facts like right here, like what is fact, but I haven't gotten into all the conspiracies and all the other shit. I'm going to get into this, and we're going to fucking. I'm excited to talk. We're going to talk that. more about this because I'm going to do a deep dive in this. 
So at the time, 12-year-old witness claimed that she saw Natasha the day she was kidnapped. This is the one I mentioned earlier. Yeah. She claimed that two men pulled her into the vehicle, and not one man. She later took back her account of that day and said that it was because police kept asking her questions, suggesting that she hadn't seen a second man. They pretty much they, pushed, they pushed her into saying, like, hey, there wasn't another guy there. It was just one person, right? I I hate that that happens. Like, in, like innocent people get put in jail, mm-hmm. and guilty people get to walk free because of this. Yeah, and right now it's just... I hate that, dude. I hate that shit. It even gets a little weirder because there was one investigator named Franz Kral who was found dead on the balcony of his apartment after telling his brother that he was onto something big in the Kempush case. He had a gunshot wound to his head and he left a suicide note. His brother, Carl Kral, does not believe for a fucking second that his brother took his own life. Neither does he believe that Proklopel committed suicide. He has since reopened the investigation, and some coroners have uh, ruled that there are suspicions about his apparent suicide, especially since the body was nearly immediately cremated after his death. Like, nearly immediate. It was within, like, I think a day or two. Maybe even a few hours. This is fucking nuts, dude. So, and part of that is because, like, they believe that, you know, because he crushed his head under the train. Mm -hmm. They believe he might have been, like, he could have been, like, shot or killed some other way, and then they used the train as a cover-up. They might have moved his body over there. And I, a lot of the speculation, obviously, is it points to Ernest. Yeah. He was the last one to see him. And it, it kind of makes, if this is true, it makes a lot of sense. Ernest was scared that Priklopel, he was obviously getting caught. There was no way he was fucking getting out of this. You know, Natasha was out. Cops were after him. Everyone fucking knew. So if they caught him, I think he was scared of Priklopel telling the police that he was involved or telling someone that he was involved. So he he must have been involved somehow without any like physical involvement because Natasha would have said something, right? It's still in air. We're going to have to talk about this more later. Huh. I think she would personally, but I am going to have to research more into this and we're going to have to come back to all of this, like all of this. Oh god. So yeah. This is a doozy, dude. Carl Kroll believes that his brother was murdered because he knew too much about the case and he had files on others that have that may have been linked to the crime as well. I don't doubt the it. A possible pedophilia ring and all that other stuff. Possibly Ernest as well. So the American FBI actually started investigating these aspects as well as others. Like they literally took the American FBI in mm-hmm. because they were like, we can't trust the fucking police here. We don't know what's going on. Oh my God, dude. It gets fucking crazy, dude. Like it's going into so much shit. So they're they're investigating all these people. They're investigating the fucking Austrian police department that are being accused of corruption and being involved in like fucking complex cover-ups. Insane cover-ups, dude. And technically, as of now, we still don't have an answer to all of these questions because this is stuff that has been going on. Like a lot of a lot of these investigations and whatnot have been started, and uh, I think it was around 2016. Wow! So it's still going. It's still going on. It is fucking insane how much has come to light from this case, but it's even more insane how much of this is still in the fucking dark. Like, it seems like every time something is discovered, we have another question about something else. Oh, man, this is crazy. So Natasha said that she was never a victim. She said that directly if everyone saw her as a victim who had terrible things done to her, they would never again see her as a normal person. This is why she didn't want to, you know, come through with all this shit. She said that they would only see her the way that they chose to see her at that point, Aww. as just person who was 
attacked and whatnot. Yeah. About 10 years later and to this day, Natasha Kampusch owns and lives in the house that she was previously captive in on weekends. Like she part-time lives in that house. This is so weird. I mean, I don't... She was awarded the house. She actually, um, I read it into this as well. She was looking into buying it. She wanted to buy the house and it wasn't really working out. But then after some court trials and whatnot, she was actually given the house due to all of the trauma and stuff that she went through. She was also given his car. Like the I and can, I believe it was the white truck that she was kidnapped in. Like you, you handle your your trauma however you feel, you know. But I, I can't see myself doing that. It's insane, that honestly. Takes like a it's, lot of strength. Like she's she's trying to come out as a stronger person from this, and I commend her for that. Yeah, it's fucking because I could I, not do that. Dude. No, no, I would I would never want to go near that house again. I would want it yeah. destroyed. I would want it fucking I, destroyed. Yeah, I want, I'd want it burned to the fucking ground. Yeah, so some say that this is some type of psychosis, and while it might be, this isn't really up for us to judge. Yeah. You know, like, it it could be a way of her taking back the power that she didn't have while she was in the cellar, which has since been filled with cement. The cellar is fucking done. Okay. Yeah. That's filled the fuck up. She lives in, like, the house house now, and she's kind of just trying to, like, you know, deal with it. She doesn't live in it all the time. She lives in it, like, part-time, and she was, like, weekends some days. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she did live in it full-time for a while, though. That is possible. Um, over 10 years later and possibly still to this day, Natasha carries a picture of Prickla Peel in her handbag wherever she goes. That part's a little questionable. I don't know. Again, not for me to judge. It's not for me to judge either. We might talk more about that later. Yeah. If we find some other, you know, information, but it's really not for us to judge. If that's what she wants to do, all the more power to you. Um, she's cut herself off from social media due to accusations and bullying, and she has said that her optimal weather is rainy and stormy so that people aren't able to identify her as easily. Oh my god. She has even been attacked on the streets by elderly people. Are you serious? Yeah, like some elderly woman attacked her. her? They just think that they've called her like a liar. They've called her like just said that like she was faking it and whatnot. And I don't get out. They said that a ten year old faked her kidnapping. That's the dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard. That makes no fucking sense. It's disgusting. It's absolutely fucking repulsive. She has said, uh, people may be discreet and sympathetic, but it is very unrelaxing to be in a room with many of them. Some professionals believe that there is a type of mental block that is preventing her from letting go of her past traumas, which might be possible. Yeah. It could be a thing. Yeah. I am um, going to go a little backward for a minute, though, to mention that upon Elizabeth Fritzl's escape in 2008 with her children, Natasha actually attempted to meet with Elizabeth Fritzl, and I think we talked about that a little bit on the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was under heavy security, and they didn't want to see anyone. Yeah. Like, that's fine. Um, instead, Natasha sent her 25,000 euros because she said she felt for her, and it reminded her of her own situation. Yeah. So she's doing good with the success that she has had. That's um, good. Natasha was and possibly still is cyberbullied. Some disgusting people have told her to go back into the cell where she belongs. They've accused her of making up stories. They've asked her things like, why didn't you leave earlier? Did you just make the entire thing up? I cannot stand humans. All of that makes zero fucking sense to me. Zero sense. She received hate mail at her house. There were hateful comments at the end of newsletters and media articles, which you can still fucking find, dude. If you look into this case as much as I did, you will definitely, and I mean definitely, find not only articles that end seeming to blame Natasha... But you will even find interviewers as well that do nothing but make her uncomfortable with false accusations. It's so fucked up. I watched a few interviewers with them just leaving, like, just saying open-ended and just, like, awkward fucking questions. And you can see the look on her face. 
she just looks so fucking upset in so many interviews that I've watched. And even some of the movies and like docs and stuff, you could just tell that people ask her questions that she doesn't want to be fucking asked. And you shouldn't ask her. And she looks so uncomfortable every time. It makes me so fucking sad. I can't believe that. I, I just can't believe that this actually happens. People are fucked up, dude. Dude, it's fucking insane. And the web is now filled with conspiracy theories, which even we're fucking talking about now because it's they're literally everywhere. Mm -hmm. And on that note, some definitely have some type of credibility to them. And that's why I am talking about them. And, you know, yeah. I, I want to talk about them with you and I want to talk about it more. But other stories that you find are just fucking outlandish. Like, some of these conspiracies, they seem like, okay, this could actually be fucking happening. This makes sense. Like, the fucking police scandal and all that? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe There's that. There's a bunch of fuck shit in there and a bunch of raw facts that I cannot ignore. Mm -hmm. But some of these stories that you find are out-fucking-landish. I don't like, doubt it. It is ridiculous. Her new book, uh, Cyber Jealousy deals with her experience with hate speech and discusses the social construct of cyberbullying as a whole. She offers tips for people who have dealt with hate and tells people what to do in case they're being harassed online. Mm. When letters first started showing up to her house, her family attempted to hide the letters as they included threats to kidnap her once more, rape her, and that they knew where she lived and shit like that. There is some fuck shit going on in this fucking town, dude. It's... It blows my fucking mind. This is insane. It blows my fucking mind, dude. It's one thing to get death threats, but really, to say that... Even just to get to death say that, yeah, dude. It's all fucking... It I is the worst this, thing. Dude. It's the worst thing like I've ever heard. So, free speech is protected in the United States, but in the Euro in European... In the European areas... In it, Europe. <laughs> yep. It, it is illegal. And in the month of the release of her book, the European Court of Justice ruled that Facebook has to delete illegal hate speech worldwide if asked to. Hmm. So, that's kind of good. So, Natasha says... There is an expectation in our society that we are supposed to be quiet after something has happened to us. We are expected to act like a victim. I had my own opinions and want to state them. That didn't go well. Women are supposed to keep their mouths shut. I think that's so fucking disgusting that people have pushed this poor girl to say shit like this. That's fucking awful. But she shouldn't have to feel like that. You shouldn't have to feel like that. And, dude, you are a Ford Tough Mama Bear. And oh, yeah. you... You stick to your story, girl. You mm. tell it how you please. And dude, Natasha is taking her fucking power back to this day. She is worth between five to six million dollars. She takes classes on like riding a horse, and she's said to be incredibly in tune with the feelings of her animals by her instructor. Like she's just Aww. like she feels everything the horse feels. She knows when she doesn't want to, you know, be rode. She feels all of it. Oh, that makes me happy. She's a vegetarian now. She makes her income from book sales and settlement fees. Nice. And she has forgiven her captor, as she says, and she says she doesn't hate the social media warriors that shoot that choose to attack her because that again would give them too much power over her life and progress. She is fucking Ford tough, dude. Yep, dude, fuck all of them. Dura last, baby. Natasha now has what seems to be a healthy relationship with her father and mother. It seems like she's kind of reconciled everything because okay. I watched a documentary. I think it was uh, it was like 2017, so that's fairly recent. I don't know the exact status as of now because I couldn't mm -hmm. find an update on that part. I found updates on other things because she just released her book last year. But it looks like she did reconcil reconciliate things with her parents. Yeah. And I saw in a documentary where she explained that they've got closer over the years and she even has like a yearly traditional dinner with her mother and like some of her siblings or half siblings every year. Oh, well, that's good. They go to like the, I can't remember what the place was, but it was like this picnic place, really fancy picnic place. That's cute. And the final uh, chapter of her story is still yet to be set in stone because yeah. there's still investigations going on to as, as what really fucking happened. 
our story is not over because I, 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 I am. I, this is going to make me lose sleep, dude. Yeah. I, it, this is why I haven't slept in like a day and a half, dude, because I started reading all this and it just, it blew me the fuck away. I couldn't believe what I was reading. I couldn't believe what I was finding. Mm. So I'm going to have to go more into this. Um, there's definitely going to be more of this. There's one final, and I mean final thing I have to say. This shit happened again. This happened again. An Austrian man who goes by Josef B. was just arrested at his Dutch home after Jan Zon van Dorsten escaped a locked-off room in the house which inhabited him, as well as his four brothers and sisters, and his father for the past nine years. This case just unfolded in mid-October 2019. It never fucking ends. Dude. There are headlines about this saying, this reeks Fritzel and Kampusch. Dude, there, there is some type of ring or something, some organization or cult or something going on over there. I don't and know. And somebody needs to go and fucking end it, dude. I don't know what is happening, like, but who? it is just, it's terrifying that these cases keep showing up of people. And you know, this case is weird. So this case actually just unfolded like around, it was I think like October 16th ish of 2019. Okay. So very recent. I'm going to read like, there's not much about this right now, but I'm going to read this main article that just, it makes me need to know the rest about this case because it's really fucking weird. So it starts off, it says, I'm just going to read this, like, article exactly how it is, mm -hmm. so guys don't yell at me, I guess. Plagiary. Be like, oh, you're plagiarizing. Yeah, I'm literally <laughs> telling you that I'm reading this verbatim, so. An alleged doomsday cult leader accused of keeping a family of six in a dungeon for nine years and a persuasive guru um, is a persuasive guru who believes he is better than Jesus, his brother said today. The mysterious carpenter named Joseph, or Yosef, the Australian... Joseph the Austrian by neighbors. Uh, remember when I accidentally called Austria Australia? Yeah. In like the very first episode, I totally got an email about that. So don't email me about that again because I'm correcting myself. Um, the shocking case has sparked questions as to how nobody knew the Van Dorsten family were apparently locked inside a windowless room under the rundown farmhouse near Runer World? Runer, Runer Wald. Runer Wald. Suspect Josef Brunner, 58, paid the rent on the farm and tended the vegetable plot daily, but did not live there, according to reports. The handyman will be quizzed on his involvement by, uh, something behind closed doors today, suspected of unlawful detention and injuring the health of others, prosecutors said. More details of his background emerged today, including claims he joined a religious sect in the army, abandoned his twins he fathered with a Japanese cult member, and had another seven or eight children with a wife that he also left behind when he moved to Holland. So the son that I mentioned, um, Janzon Van Dorsten, these are a lot of names that are hard to pronounce for me. Yeah. I'm very sorry. Um, he was one of the sons, and I don't know how he escaped the room yet, but mm -hmm. he escaped the room somehow, and he pretty much walked very far, and he ended up at like he ended up at a bar. I think he went to like three different bars, mm -hmm. and then he somehow ended up at a bar. Like he just looked lost and confused. He ended up ordering like five beers, and then he could fight it in the bartender who called the police, and then went over to the farm. And found all of his siblings. Oh my god, dude. But there's another really weird part about this. Um, all of them are pretty much like off the grid. Like they don't have any government affiliation whatsoever. Uh -huh. And that's kind of like why, you know, they went unnoticed for like ever and no one knew who they were. Yeah. A weird part about this is that Jan started using social media in June. 
he was posting selfies on like Instagram and Facebook. What? But they didn't come out until October of last year. And he was posting shit on social media in June. So there's some weird shit to this case too. I'm pretty interested to see how this is going to unfold because I am very confused by that. I am super confused by that. I don't get that at all. I just... I don't... It's really fucking weird. Maybe he just didn't know the power of social media. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe he really didn't know or maybe they... Maybe it's possible that they chose to be there. There was another thing that said that they were possibly waiting for the end of the world in there. So I don't know what's going to come out in court. I don't know how this is going to go. Oh, and also a bunch of them aren't able to speak right now. Like they can't, they can't speak. Like they physically can't or they cannot speak. I don't know if they're choosing not to, if they're not speaking at all, but it seems like they cannot speak. So that's another part to this really fucking fucking weird, dude, weird case. I don't know. There aren't details about this. This just fucking emerged. So holy shit. We got to get to the bottom of that one, bud. Yeah. Take our badges off and get to the bottom of it. Yeah. A lot of weird shit going on with this one, man. That's yeah. This, wow. This was all very strange. It opened my eyes to really fucking weird possibilities, uh, to really weird conspiracies. It's kind of had my brain fucking racking, and I think I'm going to go back to looking up more shit right after you leave right now. <laughs> Honestly, like, this has been eating me alive. I fucking bet, dude. It's already eating my fucking brain alive. I'm not going to be able to go to sleep. I have to be up at 5 a.m., and I'm not going to be able to go to sleep. Yeah, dude. I made, I made like, a promise to myself that I was going to start, like, a. am going to try to read a book a month, so I'm going to get the all of these books involved mm-hmm. with this in any fucking sense of the word. I'm going to get all of Natasha's books. I'm going to get her mother's book. I'm going to get her fucking dad's book. I'm going to get all the other ones. I, I need to know everything about this. Mm-hmm. I need to know fucking everything about this. So yeah, guys, that was the case of Natasha Campush. Wow. It's insanity. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Hope uh, you don't think I I'm mean, just a crazy person. I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I didn't enjoy it. You didn't enjoy it per like, se, but it, you know, you know, you know, you know was, what we mean. It was cool to to hear about, I guess. You guys know what I fucking mean. Never mind. Jesus Christ. So what are you doing next week, Bray? Um I'm not gonna say that. No. It's a surprise. Yeah, oh, okay. It's a cute little surprise. Because we'll see what Brie does. Uh, I think I'm going to keep going with uh, people trapped in rooms because it's kind of, I don't know. It's that all, shit's wild to me, dude. It's all in my mind right now, dude. Like, I can't get it out. It, this is how we started the podcast, and this is how I'm fucking finishing it. I, it's done after this. Yeah, it's done. I, um, fuck, what was I going to say right now? Oh, yeah, I saw this thing, like, a few years ago on Facebook, and it was just, like, a post from somebody, and it was just, like, um... Have you guys, like, ever thought about, like, when you drive through a neighborhood that, like, what could possibly be going on in the basement? In a fucking house. In a house. In a random in a basement, house. Like, in anybody's fucking house at the time, dude. Because, like, there there was also that one case that happened um, a few years ago when those three girls were Ariel held, Castro. Yeah. yeah. When those three girls were held captive and, um, like, his neighbors had no idea. Like, he was always at family barbecues. And the same thing with uh, Gertrude Banaszewski, dude. Like... Well, I mean, those neighbors fucking knew, but, like, other people, like, they had no idea the extent of her uh, abuse. Yeah, dude. You just never know, dude. It's terrifying just thinking about what's going on behind someone's closed I don't want to think about it. No, not at all. It's fucked up. But we kind of have to think about it because it does happen, and it's very fucking real. You can't ignore it. Yeah, as according to all this. So, that was our episode. Uh, Yeah, this didn't really end on a good note, and I don't know. (laughs) I, I don't know how to make up for that <laughs> I'm, uh, I have a, a good note okay what's what that kind of sucks but I'm working eight days in a row 
Yeah, shit. Yeah. That's so it. So it's going to be a good check. <laughs> yeah, that made this. Re- sorry if we're like very quiet today, guys. Uh, we're recording very late. It's very late. So things things had to happen. Yeah. But anyway, that was today's episode. Uh, come back next week. We'll have another True Crime Thursday. Yeah. Uh, come back on uh, Monday for <laughs> Shark and Saws. Shark and Saws. Woman prison. Prison massacre, baby. I'm kind of excited for that. I hope it's not. <laughs> yeah. I hope it's pretty good. I think I have to watch that like right now. It's gonna be Fuck. bad. I I don't know when I'm gonna watch it. There's no way I can watch it right now. Yeah, yeah, we got to do it tomorrow, though, right? Yeah. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll figure that out. So, thank you for listening, guys. Um, if you want to find us, uh, actually, no, for, tell a friend. Tell a friend that helps us the most. Uh, mm-hmm. that does a lot for us. It does wonders for us. If you want to help us out in another way that helps us out a lot, go on iTunes and rate us five stars. Leave a review. Send me a screenshot of the review and say sticker review. Send me your address and I will send you a bunch of stickers. Um, if you want to find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, it's all at Horsesuit Podcast, maybe with a space, maybe without a space, depending on what you're on. You can find me on Letterboxd at Horsesuit Caleb. I'm not plugging Bree anymore. Um, <laughs> you can email us at Horsesuit at Yahoo.com. That is where you email for the sticker thing. I didn't say that a second ago. Um, and if you want to donate to us, you can donate at Patreon.com slash Horsesoup. You can find all our bonus episodes there. You can find stickers and some merch stuff and some other stuff. And it's... Cool. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool stuff, man. And uh, I think that's the episode. Do I say anything else? That no, it? that's that it? it. We good? Yeah. Uh, Floor Popcorn's a podcast. Uh, I think that's it. It's been like over a month since I've done an episode of Floor Popcorn. Eh. We'll come around eventually. <laughs>